This is Victoria Schnepps, publisher of Schnepps Media. We are your number one source for local news in the New York City region. And today, I bring you Power Women. Feel the power in our podcast coming to you from schnepsbroadcasting.com and wherever podcasts are found. Today, my Power Woman is Sam Saperstein, the very bright very, very active, with three children, managing director and head of Women on the Move for J.P. Morgan Chase. Welcome, Sam. Thank you so much, Vicki. You know, I'd love to chat a little bit about, we'll talk about what you're doing and where you've gone and what you advise for other women in your world of helping women achieve success. How did your growing up years Form you to who you are today, and was there somebody in your early life that had a big impact on you? So I would say, growing up, I had a very close knit family. I spent a lot of time with my immediate family and my grandparents as well on both sides. And I think seeing everybody always together and knowing my family well just always instilled in me um, a sense of family as being the most important thing. And just uh, we always talked about how to do good things in the world and improve the world around us. So um, it was very important to our family and also to our community. So I think growing up, I was very active in a lot of volunteer efforts. Um, and from an early age, I wanted to be a writer because mm. I really loved reading stories and telling stories. And I think that kind of propelled me into what I do today, uh, which is really helping others tell their own story and achieve the things that they want to achieve. Well, that's a giant leap, you know, to have that vision and to have that experience and be able to do something in your own childhood. But was there somebody who encouraged you? Because it's not easy to be in corporate America at top of the ladder. Yeah, I would have to say the people closest to me were my role models, and that were my father, for one, and my grandfather, his father, uh, my father worked in the markets for his career, and so always really got me interested in business and the world of business and the stories in business. Um, his father, who I affectionately nicknamed Guppy instead of Grandpa, uh -huh. um, he worked until he was 91 years old. Fabulous. And Guppy loved telling stories. We would go visit them, my grandparents, every Sunday night. We would have dinner together. We would talk around the table about the week. And I think in, in talking to him about the world at large and just seeing how active he stayed into his 90s was really inspiring for me. I don't think I can stop working, basically, until I'm 90 uh, because of him. That's a but good role model. Having, I love it. Yeah, having them <laughs> encourage me and always listening to me and hearing what I was doing and taking such pride in what I was doing, that was really important to me. Well, I think right there you talk about a role model. There he is. And I'm of the same belief. I'm going to work and work because I love what I do. So I think your guppy loved what he did. Yep, he did indeed. So gave changed you, careers when he was 55, so that was also inspiring. All right, so you did have people to inspire you. I think, you know, we take something from our family or for someone who has a big, powerful presence that sometimes we don't realize how powerful that is. And now, you know, a little bit about what you're doing at Women on the Move. Tell us about what your role is in the bank of J.P. Morgan Chase. Sure. So I run a program that really represents our global efforts to help women both inside and outside of the bank. We created this about a year and a half ago because we felt that we were doing so much for women, clients, and consumers, and employees, but it wasn't done in one place. 
and we wanted to make sure we were very connected around the world on, the, on these programs and that we were really delivering a consistent message. So Women on the Move does focus on these three areas, our employees, our business clients, and our consumers, and we really are trying to help each of those three groups achieve the things in life that they want. So for our own employees, we're trying to help more women reach senior-level jobs in the company, and we're trying to recruit and retain more women at every level across the company. For our business clients, we're helping women fund and grow businesses, so that includes small business owners and entrepreneurs, and we also help CEOs of large corporate companies grow their businesses and do things like join public boards. And for our female consumers, we're really focused on helping them improve their financial health. And what I mean by that is helping them improve their confidence when it comes to managing their money and ultimately really getting women to save more and invest more so that they stay financially independent. Well, that's a powerful message. I remember there was some group that the bank had where we also networked, and I got to meet Madeline Albright thanks to Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase, so that you created some events. Are you still doing that? Yes, absolutely. We have women um, all over the world outside the bank come in and talk to us um, and to our clients. We love to bring in people who are accomplished in business, the arts, politics, government, um, really in all walks of life because we love to inspire our employees and clients with these great stories. So that's a really important part of what I also do. So, you know, we are doing Power Women events, and you were one of our wows, Women Mm, of Wall Street. And to me, the power of networking is how you build your business today. So are there things that you're doing to help women meet other women in power? Yes, we do. So in our small business organization, we bring women together uh, through events of all sizes. We do small salon dinners for 30 people where we introduce small business owners with investors. We also do larger several hundred person gatherings where we bring business owners together to learn from each other and from experts. We think that this community building is a really important part of what small business owners need to do because often they're doing things alone by themselves. They get frustrated. Um, They're juggling so many things and we want to make sure they realize there's a community out there who can help them and also just inspire them when things get really tough. Um, So we we try to maintain that on a regular basis. So how do you define small business? What would be the revenue that defines small business today? We work with businesses that generally have revenues up to $20 million a year. So that can be, you know, some on that larger end, but it's many other small businesses who are sole proprietors or just starting out and uh, are really trying to grow. So do you put out a newsletter or do you keep them connected in any way once you've had an event with some of the women that uh, bank with you? So we stay in touch with them through our bankers and through um, folks at the bank who are working with them on a daily basis to grow their businesses. We'll keep inviting them back to our events so they can network with each other. And more and more, we're looking at online ways to also stay connected, like virtual communities. So, you know, this whole world of um, working and helping also, I see, extends to your nonprofit work. And I know you've been very involved with Safe Horizon, a very special group that works with people who have um, victims of uh, all kinds of abuse, domestic violence, child abuse, human trafficking, and youth homelessness. Can you talk a little bit about Safe Horizon and what you've seen, you, the effect of being involved with them and how you can help them? 
Yes, thank you. I'd love to. So I've been on the board of Safe Horizon for about six years, so that work really predated my work at the bank. And it is the largest victim services agency in the U.S. It is all focused on New York City, all the boroughs. And, you know, women are the predominant clients uh, that Safe Horizon serves. And it really is there to help women or children who have been abused or victims of violence to have a resource, to have, you know, hope that there is an outlet for them, hope that there is a way to heal for themselves, for their families, uh, ways to help them pursue justice, if that's uh, part of their plan. But it really is helping people with paths out um, who might not have that otherwise. And this is just such very personal and important work to me. Um, it's the women, obviously, who are um, who we really want to help day in and day out. It's also their children and families. And so it's really looking at the broader community uh, that we're trying to serve. So with this um, kind of organization, are they doing you know, this kind of um, outreach to the political world to get funds? I mean, who funds them? Who makes their so, work possible? Yep, there's a number of different sources, certainly private foundation funding and personal funding um, and government funding as well at the state and the federal level. So with the youth homelessness, you know, that's so connected to the mothers. Uh, is there any way that we see today in New York City that there is hope that these families can be kept together? You know, we, we heard about the separations of the borders. Uh, yeah. How do we keep families together here in our whole city? No, it's, it's a great point. You know, I would say on the youth homelessness front, you know, we often see young people who have been separated by their families already, and sometimes that's uh, of their own accord. They've left bad situations. So in that case, we're really trying to help young adults, um, you know, stay out of danger, uh, but also become independent and have be able to be self-sufficient. You know, when it comes to helping families of domestic violence and abuse, very often, um, the answer is for a woman and children to leave a situation, but many times they return to families and families are reunited. What we try to do is just help everybody with their own unique situation, not make the judgment for them and certainly not tell them what to do, but to give them the options so they can decide what's in their best interest. And if the interest is staying together with the family, you know, we're looking at more and more ways to help the entire family, and that sometimes can include the abuser in that situation. So are there safe houses? How do you, do they actually run group homes or uh, housing situations? Yes, so Safe Horizon maintains domestic violence shelters where women and children can stay for different periods of time. Um, they can stay safely there until they get on their feet and figure out uh, their course of action. Um, these centers are often not known, so people can't find them and track them down, uh, but they can stay there for the length of time that they need to you know, get themselves in a safer situation. So how do people know to go to Safe Horizon? How do they get their referrals? Because you know, yeah. there was an organization working a lot with human trafficking, and you know, I said, well, how do people know that you're there? There's many sources of referrals. So we see people through um, police stations, through uh, doctors and hospitals, through the court system. Um, we maintain the city's 311 hotline. So if folks are calling that number for assistance, they can get routed to us there. So there's, people come to us in many different ways. And I think more and more it's also word of mouth. You know, if we've helped somebody and they know of others who need support, um, they're also turning to us. 
Well, you know, Sam, I think we have to do an article about these different services in our uh, print media and our online media, because I think you cannot talk enough about the opportunities to help people and what's going on in their lives and how they have been able to be helped by Safe Horizon. Now, I know you have a very safe environment with three wonderful children. So I'm going to ask you, how do you balance your life with your family, your husband, your children, and your work? Uh, well, I think it comes down to family first, to really prioritizing the things that are important to you. So I will constantly go back to my to-do list and just take things off and say no to as many things as I can and, and really not feel guilty about it. Uh, you just can't say yes to everything. And I also like to tell people you have to be comfortable dropping balls. Hopefully they're not big balls and hopefully it doesn't happen often. Um, but if you sweat the details and get really upset in the small balls drop, I think you'll never get through your day-to-day. So I just try to go through my day thinking I get it mostly right, um, I do most of what I have to do, and then I try to take care of myself wherever I can, and that includes trying to get a good night's sleep and exercising where possible. Well, I think the exercising, I believe, is not just for the body, it's for the mind, and to be able to uh, also not sweat the small stuff, it sounds like. Nope. You can't do it. And I I like the 80-20 rule when it comes to life. You know, try to get the bigger stuff done, um, and that will go a long way. So tell me what you could say to people listening to our Power Women podcast about a secret to success. What do you think women have to do today to be as successful, I'll say it, as you are? So I think it really helps to start from places where you enjoy what you're doing you know, I know people say kind of follow your passion, and I think that can be true. Um, I think in my experience, I followed my curiosity, which turned into passions for me, and it always kept me engaged. And, you know, I always tried to find things that I wanted to do that when I knew it would be tougher, for example, if I was having children and, you know, uh, increasing my family, what would I like to do work-wise that would really keep me going as my family responsibilities increased. And so I started to steer myself toward jobs that I really would love to do, that I could um, do a little bit more easily while managing having more children. But again, I think it comes back to you can't be hard on yourself. You have to acknowledge you're going to get things right. You're not going to get everything right. You're going to reach out to help for help from people where you need to. Um, and you just got to keep going as long and as far as you can before saying, you know, I, I got to choose another path. I've always thought to myself, I'd keep working and keep going until I just had to drop from exhaustion because I couldn't do it anymore. And I've certainly felt many days like that, um, but for the most part, have just been able to do the things that I like to do and, and, and find that that helps carry me through the tougher times. Well, I thank you so much. That's Sam Saperstein who is the director of Women on the Move for J.P. Morgan Chase. Thank you for sharing your secrets to success. Thank you for sharing your journey. And this is Victoria Schnepps, publisher of Schnepps Media, your source for local news in the New York City region. Thank you for joining us on Power Women and tune in to schnepsbroadcasting.com and wherever podcasts are found. See you next time. Bye.